Where in hell can you go? Far from the things that you know Far from the sprawl of concrete That keeps crawling its way Keep your heart off your sleeve Guppy Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher. Episode 15. Oiling the Wheels. The lodge is finished. That is to say that the floors and bathrooms are tiled and the walls and ceilings painted white throughout. Mr. Yan can be paid his final payment, and we bid farewell to one another after so many months of working together. He's been a rock throughout, albeit oft-times a drunken rock, but I've had no reason to complain about his handling of the contract, and he's almost always been honest. The generator's gone, and he probably sold that, but nobody's perfect, and we shake hands and part in rather sad friendship. We've done the whole thing with scarce any common language, which I suppose just shows what can be done. And now we are fully functional. We have about everything but the kitchen sink. And we even have a kitchen sink. We don't yet have a cooker, but there's a gap where a cooker will be when we buy one, which will be the next time Paula and I are together. In any case, I must say the lodge looks magnificent. And we've come a long way since I laid the first foundation stone about 18 months ago. Now we have to have a completion ceremony, whereby alcohol is poured onto the roof and everyone has a good prey. I assume so that bad spirits can't get in through the roof either, which is all to the good. So, looking ahead from here, aside from some tentative agreement with our local dive centre, We've done nothing about generating future business for our enterprise. After all, however much emotional and intellectual energy, not to mention money, has been invested in building the lodge, building the lodge is really only the beginning of it. We now have to find a way by which we can live here and bring in the bacon. Not that we eat bacon. Or to use another analogy, if this is to be our working future, then the guests must come to the door so that the wolves are kept from it and people need to be made aware of our corporate existence so we must advertise to this end tim offers to design and eventually have produced glossy promotional flyers so we need to take some photographs and tim takes control of the situation by taking shots from the garden and from the mangroves and some internal shots but we need some long distant views from the sea as this is by far the best view of the building. Aris steps in here and he and I set off from the beach in a small traditional fishing canoe, armed with camera and a bamboo punting pole, if that's what you call them. And he punts us out over the shallow reef as far as the drop-off, about a hundred meters from shore. I take some great shots from here. Then, just as we're about to make the return journey, the bamboo pole breaks in half. I mean, bamboo is very strong and resilient stuff, and it never breaks. 
but our bamboo breaks at this critical moment, rendering it useless as a punt. We laugh about this, but the current is running strong in a seaward direction, too much to swim against, and we are soon out beyond the drop-off and heading out into the wide blue yonder. I have visions of our never being seen again and console myself that at least I'll be able to take some photographs of my final hours. There is, however, a paddle on board, or something which passes for a paddle, which is really no more than a flat piece of wood. And with great effort, and with his strong fisherman's arms, Aris eventually manages to get us back over the reef, to at least relative safety. We could swim from here, but I'd rather not lose Tim's camera, and Aris would rather not lose his boat. We are also drifting eastwards at some speed, so although land is getting closer, we are now some way from the village beach. Aris paddles us in close to the mangroves, and in this more sheltered place, and by holding on to the mangrove branches as we go, we finally make the way in, and Aris paddles us serenely through calmer waters onto the beach. I had just wanted some photographs, but I should know by now that nothing around here is ever simple, and I have learned that photography can sometimes be a dangerous business. Twenty million things to do Twenty million things 
20 million 20 million things to do Phil and I can keep in touch by telephone but it's unreliable and often the line isn't clear. He does, however, manage to convey to me that the lodge is built, which is great news, but we now have the problem of how to furnish it. The people of North Sulawesi aren't really artists. They make nothing which is not needed, and this is not entirely, if at all, to do with lack of money. We've travelled into darkest Kalimantan and stayed with the Iban people in their longhouses, where there is no money at all and they make simple but beautiful wood carvings, figures of people and animals, and imagery of fantastic imaginary beasts. In Bali and Lombok, you can't move for creativity, from carvings to stonework and pottery, batik and paintings. So this is not an Indonesian phenomenon, but the Manadanese people don't, it seems, feel the need to create or to imagine. Partly, we think, this is due to the education system, where the school curriculum does nothing to encourage creativity by teaching art or creative writing. Everything is learned by rote, and they are very good at mental arithmetic, but ask them to use their creative imagination and they're lost. What they are, however, are very good craftspeople. They can copy anything. Ask them to make a bed and draw a simple picture and they will make a beautiful bed for you. So we assume, or at least hope, that this rule applies to any other kind of furniture. There are simply no furniture shops in Monado that sell anything we would give house room to. Plastic and brightly coloured furnishings are just not our style. We've always favoured the minimalist look. So everything will have to be made from raw unworked wood, from dining tables and chairs to bedroom furnishings. What we have found is someone who makes chairs, benches and low tables from Chinese bamboo, which differs from normal bamboo by having a dark grain within it. This will provide some of what we need, but by no means everything, and next time I'm over we're going to have to spend a good deal of time with carpenters and pencil and paper, commissioning everything which is otherwise unobtainable. I'm sure all will be well in the end, and Phil tells me that we may have found a solution to the land problem. It's apparently too complicated to explain over a bad telephone line, so all I know is that he's been summoned to a meeting of the village elders, who may have found a way, but we need to talk about it. He'll be home in a couple of days, so it will have to wait until then, and I wait in hope and anticipation. One day we decide to have a change of scene, so I drive Tim and Julie to a fish restaurant on the other side of Manado. I don't have an Indonesian driver's license, and a bule, or white man, driving a jeep can attract some attention. I've been stopped by the police a couple of times, and I show them the plastic part of my UK driving license, which at least has my picture on it, and tell them it's an international driver's license. They nod knowingly, and so far I've got away with it. In any case, on this occasion, we make the restaurant okay. The last time I was here with Paula and Janet, and about 20 Indonesian government workers, 
This was on the day that we had to get our official papers signed by the Minister of Foreign Investment, who shall remain nameless, but whose signature we needed on a certain document. And Janet was keen to see how Indonesian government bureaucracy works. We were duly summoned to the office of the Governor of North Sulawesi, the highest office in the land, and thence to the Minister's office. His English was excellent, of course, and we had a brief conversation. He signed the document and we passed the requisite millions of rupiah over the table, which was really under the table, together with a bottle of Bombay Sapphire Gin, which Carol had brought over and donated to the cause. As we did so, he said, There is no corruption here, which was about the most inaccurate and inappropriate thing that he could have said, but there it is. He invited us for lunch and much to the surprise of his staff, insisted on driving us himself in his Mercedes to the restaurant where I now sit, Aris following behind in the jeep, and several carloads of ministerial staff. Lunch was eaten, after which the bill was quietly handed to Aris. Everyone departed friends, and we paid the bill. We were quickly learning that to get things done hereabouts, wheels must be oiled, and a few quid, a bottle of gin and a fish lunch for the minions is apparently a good way to oil them, whether there be corruption here or not. Motherland, cradle me, close my eyes, lullaby me to sleep. Keep me safe, lie with me, stay beside me, don't go. Don't you go. Find out what further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Colm Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience.